City have another chance. What's going on, Orlando City fans? Welcome back to the Lions Vlog Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Rushnell, and today we'll, we will be discussing the 1-1 draw at home against NYCFC. They ain't got no history. You know the drill. Before we get started, though, I'd like to thank our sponsors. I'm going to make it a lot shorter. I feel like I'm spending a lot of time on the intros, so as I spend more time explaining that, let's just do the intro real quick. Lose Bonsai, run by Jonathan Ridner. They offer 15% off. If you do, go city in all caps at checkout. LoseBonsai.biz, L-O-U-S Bonsai.biz. Or Cappy Subs, amazing, amazing food. Order at, over the phone at 407-647-9099. Or online at cappiessubsfl.com, all one word. They are located 501 North Orlando Avenue in Maitland, Florida, not Winter Park. Make sure you leave a five-star review. We will be reading them out on the podcast. It's no Daniel or Adam tonight, so Chase, how you doing? I am getting a little tired at the moment, but uh, I'm still riding a high. I, uh, I met Mauricio Pereira at Animal Kingdom yesterday, in case Ooh. anyone's interested. I was pretty excited. Yeah. But, he was a... Uh... You're a star now. Did you did you tell um, him about the podcast? I said I did not. I thought you about it, but I also thought that would make me sound like a complete nerd, a complete fanboy. Yeah. I podcast about you. <laughs> You'd be like, "What's a podcast?" <laughs> yeah, honest to God, like I don't mean this in any poor way. I guess uh, I think there was like a bit of a language barrier between you and I, or he and I. So I don't necessarily know if he was understanding what I was saying. But either way. I you were like, you were like, I know who you are, vamos yeah. Orlando. <laughs> yeah, I should have, yeah, should have kept it short and sweet. Yeah, shorter and sweeter. Did you secure a signature? No, I like just said hi. It's the same thing. Yeah, like he was. I didn't get a picture either because like he was uh, out with his wife and children. So mm. you know, let him be, I guess. But he did have like a, a face mask on with. Uh, it's like the Orlando City one that's like purple with the logo everywhere. So he mm. was, you know, he was he was outwardly repping. He was repping, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, one-one draw. Um, I felt we had the better game than NYCFC. I felt that we dominated, uh, or we we looked the more dominant team. They definitely had their chances. They definitely had their spells of dominance where they were in our half more. But I think we deserved a win. Do you agree with that? Or do you think a draw is is more the uh, the fair scoreline? I don't know. Honestly, like, I, I think that we kind of dominated in possession, maybe. Like, we had a lot of the ball, and we, we would win the ball a lot. And then we see what I felt like in terms of, like, the second ball and things like that. But um, once you kind of look at the chances both sides created, I kind of think NYCFC almost – outclasses on the day in that department and to an extent that's kind of the most uh, important part of the game um you know I'm, I'm a bit of like a well i'm a believer in xg i'm still a little bit of a novice when it comes to just various stats and data in the sport but like they had an expected goals total of over one by if, like wherever you like if you look at american soccer analysis or fbrf it's pretty consistently like over one or thereabouts like they were the favorite team and you know they got in behind a lot and they uh, you know, I, I even think that we kind of had more shots in the game, but uh, definitely when you look at quality of chances, it was New York City who probably were the better team. Um, the hard thing but, about XG is that, like, yes, it's a good indicator of who had the better chances in the game, mm -hmm. but 
the, the, the difficult for me, which I am a believer in XG kind of like you are, but yeah. it is difficult for me because, you know, there are times when players don't get a shot off or they whiff the ball or, you know, just something yeah. happens where it doesn't necessarily get calculated. Like, I felt like, I don't know, even though we weren't getting those shots, you can't tell me that there were times where, you know, for example, Chris Mueller, we're on the counter and he's running with the ball and he he just holds on to it too long and we don't get a shot off on that. But that's still a really good, dangerous attacking area yeah, that but, XG doesn't, you know, cover. Yeah. And if we had just had a little bit more, yeah, if we just had a little bit more quality there, you know, then, you know, maybe that ends up in a shot and that quantifies on the XG. Yeah, now, that but, being said, that's a lot of ifs and buts and maybes yeah, as well. That's what I was, it's it's like you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more a little bit later on. But it's like that's kind of where games are won and lost, like like producing these chances by yourself. And I, I think NYCFC on a few occasions did pretty good getting in behind. And I I think Pedro had a good game, um, but I also <laughs> think that we were a little bit lucky because a few of them were almost kind of shot directly at him. Because but I, I think a lot of that is down to him taking off a lot of you know, the, the good shooting angles and, and putting himself in the correct position. But, you know, I, I I think if you look at our chances and their chances, and also XG kind of gets bumped up a bit when a team has a pen and, you know, NYCFC scored off of a pen. So mm-hmm. I think that's guaranteed to be like 0.75 uh, regardless. So, you know, they were in about like the 1.6 range. So maybe only like 0.8 of that came from open play and we had about 0.6 from open play. So maybe, you know, you can even look at that as, uh, data telling a little bit of a different story than it might be. But I don't know. I just, I just felt like, I felt like we, I would agree, like we, we kind of bossed the game, I guess, in, in certain phases. Um, but when you got into like our attacking third, um, I think NYCFC had the better chances. And I, w- I would almost say that a draw is a fair result. Um, going okay. into a game at 1 0 in the 70th, like you always want to be able to kind of protect that win and come away with a victory no matter what the data says you know but um i would say a draw is probably fair maybe even like we could have been edged uh certainly on another day but i'm sure you could say we could have walked away with three points in another day and that is the fine margins of football i think mm-hmm. that's something that when you analyze it like we do every single game after or every yeah every single week after a game when you analyze it, it it's hard to just kind of sit back and say you know sometimes it's just fine margins you know, maybe Moutinho pulls his foot away faster. He doesn't lunge in like an idiot and we come out one, no winners or maybe who was it? Medina puts that ball just a little bit more to the left or through Galese's legs or whatever. And we lose two one in a game where we felt that a draw was the minimum we should be getting sort of thing. So that's just kind of the fine margins of the sport we all love and the sport we love to analyze. So that it's nice to sit back and remember that when talking about the game. All right, next topic. Um, And maybe this is one that we're going to spend a decent amount of time on, but something that I want to want to pull up. And I know we've been talking about players a lot on this podcast recently. um, And I wanted to kind of shift that focus away because I feel like I've been talking about individuals. Um, And this will lead into a player discussion, of course, but a, a, a big theme that we've talked about over the past, you know, at the end of last season, the start of this season, is we aren't ruthless in front of goal and we aren't quick enough in our buildup. Now, ruthless in front of goal, that could be because we're only giving ourselves two to three decent chances a game and you're never going to hit those. 
Um, that's just the way the sport works. This isn't FIFA. Um, but I did want to talk about buildup, and I wanted to ask you where you thought our problems in buildup were, because sometimes we just take way too long in buildup, and, and I think that's a, a large opinion shared by the fan base. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that sometimes we stray into kind of being a little more possession heavy and at times that can kind of be not overly appealing, I guess, because there are some times where you look like you want to push forward and, and, and get forward quickly as, as you know, that's, that's something very appealing to, to people. But like, uh, if you don't see it in front of you like if you if you think it's a bit of a risk like I guess oftentimes players will just tend to play it back and then try to recycle possession um and I know that you were talking a little bit about this earlier like the problem with what our buildup is and um not to not to sit on the sidelines but I'm sure you have <laughs> quite a few ideas so I'm very interested to hear and what you have to say as well but yeah yeah there there are some times where I think that we could be a little bit more tentative like if you look at the teams like like a Seattle Sounders or like an LAFC, uh, they're always just trying to push forward and, and, and get the ball forward and, and create chances, a high volume of chances. And sometimes, you know, we might be a little bit, uh, I mean, I know I just said this word, but like tentative, I guess, and, and not as aggressive going forward. And there's certainly times for aggression and times to be a little bit more conservative. But uh, sometimes maybe we can kind of stray into the, the grounds of maybe shooting ourselves in the foot because we're not as ruthless going forward, but I'm certainly interested to hear what you have to say, Gavin. Okay, with build-up, one of my biggest issues is the, the way our defensive midfielders try and push us up. I think when they get on the ball, they don't like to carry the ball. Now, there are stats to back that up. Uh, I went and looked at FB Ref a little bit ago, uh, Sebastian Mendez has the fourth most touches in the league and out of those four has the least amount of carries and not only out of those four players that that he's just below does he have the least amount of carries you go down the list and it takes until 10th place Santiago Sosa for Atlanta United um, for someone to have less carries than, than he does like carry distance and carries and all of that. He's the, he's the last. So that basically says when he gets the ball, he doesn't take it up the field. He just gets it and moves it on. He doesn't dribble. Junior Urso, you know, he doesn't have as many touches as Mendez, of course, but he also has quite a few number of carries. Um, so both of them aren't taking the, and uh, Urso has like more carries per touch than Mendez does, obviously. Um, but still not really enough. So I think that's part of it. We're not bringing the ball forward from our defensive midfielders. They're passing it. And I think another part of it is we, I don't know, I feel like we're very far away from each other when it when we get past that midfield press, when we get past that that, that midfield area where it's like, okay, well, now we need to go forward. I feel like we have Nani either way out on the touchline or like, like far away. Um, same with Mueller, and then Pereira has to try and connect them, but they're just too far. I don't, I, I don't think we're getting enough people close together. Um, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. May, what do you think about that? I, I feel like we have too many people too far away from each other until we get into that final third, 
which is where then we send Urso, then we send Huan up that right side. And that's that's why we're still able to create decent chances. But the problem is, is by the time we get there, it's a little too slow because we have those lo- long distances. And then we're facing a fully set up back line and we're not able to attack them at their weakness because really their weakness has already been covered because we've taken too long to attack it. So what do you think about that? Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think really good teams who are, who are very good in possession and have a lot of players that are capable with the ball at their feet will be able to, you know, obviously you need to have some, some proper player spacing and stuff like that, but like they'll be able to, have quick interlinking of play and then kind of disorient teams and then maybe slip somebody in behind. Um, and it's, it's a lot harder to do when you have players who are not necessarily in no man's land, but they're not in an area where they can connect with their teammates, I guess. And, and we have plenty of players who have capable passing ranges where they're able to, you know, find a man, even if they're 40 yards away or something like that. Um, and I think that the thought process may be with, having a little bit more of an, uh, at, at times, I guess, uh, an ex- I don't know what the right word would be, but uh, like you were saying, where there, there, there's quite a few uh, bit of yards in between player to player. Um, it's just trying to utilize as much space as possible and, and, and uh, maybe not stretch out back lines, but just give them various things to worry about. But also that becomes an issue where it, it, it can even kind of tie into something that you're saying, where if we have pl- players who maybe aren't necessarily the most comfortable advancing the ball through the dribble, which is a very viable way of advancing the ball as much sometimes as passing is. Um, it can kind of play into our detriment. I do think that we have a lot of players that like to be isolated 1v1. Um, whether or not they do that maybe a bit too much is like a different conversation. But like you see Nani, who's finding a lot of success for himself, where if he is, is isolated amongst the player, and you kind of saw that on the goal, although like I think some movement from Zhao also really provided good things for him. Um, he's done well in that aspect. But yeah, it's... I don't know, too. I think a lot of it can maybe be tied into our issue at striker because like I, I don't want to just like hound on any player just to hound on him, but I think that Tesho is a little bit... I, I kind of switched on him like very fast. Like Initially, I thought that he was pretty all right in build-up. But the past couple of games, I think he has been a little bit out Tesho, of ideas. I think he was a little bit better in the second half, but the first half wasn't great to me. I think that people have Tesho mistaken because he's kind of big, not that very yeah. quick, not very quick. And people think, oh, target man, but mm-hmm. back to back to goal player. He's not that he's not. He's not the most technical player. He's not going to, you know, back to goal. He's getting pushed like pushed and shoved in the back and he's going to get that that first touch off and then turn a player that's that's not tesho he's a pressing forward he's a very defensive type forward with your point on dribbling it being a very viable way to build up play it is one of the best ways in my opinion to build up play when you dribble at a player in the back line or defensive mid you either you you force them to commit you force them to do something when you're on the field you want to force the other team to do something they don't want to do Okay, when when I'm getting dribbled at and I'm playing center back, I have to commit to that player because if I don't, he's obviously going to score a goal. Now, if I commit, you leave a space. Someone else has to cover that space. If somebody doesn't recognize that and cover that space, which happens quite a bit in MLS, this isn't the EPL we're talking about. um, Someone can get into that space. You play a one, two and you're in. 
if you pass, people can set up so easily on defense. And that's what NYCFC did. And it, it looks like they're making last second blocks and they're they're doing great, you know, sprinting back 20 yards to block. But no, they're they're right there. That's why so many times we would get in decent positions and our crosses would get blocked or our shots would get blocked right at the point of the shot. You know, Nani had to like really try. Like if you go and look back at that goal, he had to really try to get a, a, a little sliver of opening and he took it to full advantage, which amazing strike, by the way, by Nani. Sheesh. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but he had to really try. You know, and not everyone is Nani. Not everyone has that quality, that experience, that just that just that. Not everyone's Nani, basically. So I feel like if you dribble at somebody, then you force them to commit. And you want to be forcing the other team to be doing something that they don't want to do. And that's how you create space to create goals. Because at the end of the day, it's what you're doing. You're creating space to create openings for you to get good chances. And we are not doing that. And so, yes, Mendez and Urso have been great, have been great at defensive actions, at midfield control. They control that midfield. But our offense is struggling right now. And that's one of the main reasons I think Mueller is like, like looks good in this team because he's the only one like looks good to the fan base. I mean, because he's the only one who takes the ball and just dribbles at people. And we're going to have a Mueller section as well, because I think he was crap. He was very bad, in my opinion. Um, I have a very hard stance on that, too. Uh, but he's the only one that does it. You know, Nani, would you say Nani dribbles at people? I think he tries to dribble around people. And maybe, you know, obviously, I'm talking in general here. I'm not talking, you know, if he's never done it in the past three games. I'm sure he has. But, like... Do you understand what I'm saying about dribbling and like how we're not actually forcing teams to do what they don't want? Because teams get set up very easily against us on defense. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you talk about like trying to beat a man by going at them or, you know, beating him off the dribble, getting an angle around them, it's kind of not too different uh, in my opinion. Um but I get what you're saying. Like it, it's something that forces the issue a lot more when you are, and, and this it, it sometimes is a little bit more with transitional play as well. But like when you receive the ball and you're charging at players and and, and they're backpedaling, trying to get into maybe like their defensive third to provide some cover, um, that's when mistakes can be made, and that's when it would be easy to draw players off. And and if you keep the ball, it'd be easy to get some runners off because they're not necessarily as set up as as they would like to be. Um, well, and like, I don't remember the player and I don't remember the situation, um, you know, great analysis, Gavin, but there sure. is a point in the game where I think we get a trans transitional opportunity and it might even be Mendez where we get the ball and it's like, like uh, off of a, you know, we tackle the, the player in the midfield and then that's the point where you just go, you just yeah. full blown, leave your position, you go for the jugular and we just piddled and paddled with the ball and we didn't try and attack that opening we made and then it's just like defense gets set up we pass it around and then round and it's round we go lost we aren't taking uh that's the other thing in transition i that you brought up um that i think is great in transition we're not going for them we're not we're not 
being quick. We're not like seeing that point in time where we just have to like attack. And that's what you do. That's what you do when you play transition soccer. So again, I'll let you finish your point, but that's just something mm-hmm. else that's been frustrating me. No, yeah, I think that the best time, like talking about like dribbling being a way to advance the ball and create chances um, without passing, not without passing, but as opposed to passing, I guess you could say. Um, I think that just just as a blanket statement, I guess like the ten seconds after you win the ball is is one of the most important phases, I guess, of of, of a a point in time of possession, if that makes sense, because um, there's going to be players committed forward, whether it's the fullback, sometimes there are center backs stepped in the mid into the midfield and stuff like that, and and if you can get numbers going forward, like they aren't set up, and you won't be able to be marked out of the game um, like you might be able to out of of a very long standard of possession it certainly becomes a bit harder than um and i think that in this team there is a bit of a commitment to to holding the ball at times and not forcing i mean you always want to force the issue i guess but like if it's not there or if it looks like it probably is not there like they're not going to you know just charge into battle for i don't want to say no reason but like, I think that they have it kind of maybe drilled into them a little bit. And I wish that, like, I could sit in on, like, a, a team conference and maybe know if I'm correct or completely off the mark. But I think that we as a team, like, we'll, we're very content to go back and then try to play the ball out wide and, and, and find attacking chances elsewhere. And, and honestly, I think sometimes that can be to your detriment. And I think we've actually seen that be something a little bit uh, throughout the season, like, you know, particularly the SKC game, trying to play out the back a lot. Um, it's it, We struggled, and then we didn't really decommit to that um, style of play, and then we almost kind of lost, uh, dropped points um, even more so than we probably should have that game. Um, just, just, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess you can kind of tell that I don't necessarily have, like, an outright point. Like, <laughs> um, it's it's... we are i think the bottom line like there is uh some problem with the build-up and i think that what you're saying is is very possibly um one of the issues that has been identified but i just think as a blanket statement and once again this isn't great analysis either it's we've struggled to really create like overly high quality chances particularly consistently even with our most creative player back in the 11 um but i also think a lot of that has come from tesho you know not necessarily being the best in possession um, because I actually do think that we can get into some pretty good areas sometimes, whether it be centrally, whether it be from wide areas, and we're just kind of lacking a little bit of that, uh, I don't know, killer instinct, if you want to say. And, and that's, that's, just, that's something you could probably apply to every team. So this isn't like a, um, you know, I'm no Pep Guardiola making a comment like this. And I'm fully aware of that, obviously. But it, it, it's like we, we can get into good areas. I think that's kind of been something with Huan, too. And we just haven't really been able to take advantage of it. Or like that last just phase of an attacking movement just is a little bit off. And we're not able to provide a chance that, you know, talking about XG, it's it's like we can't rely on what Luis Nani is doing right now to kind of almost single-handedly give us points in a game. Um, because it's it's not overly sustainable. And and he is someone that can probably overperform XG more than the next player because he is capable of hitting a ball from 
you know, for, uh, coming inside from the wing and, and putting it towards his far post more so, more consistently than anyone else. But it's just not something that you want to constantly rely on. And I think that we have to start creating more high XG, um, just just more quality chances where you can reasonably expect any player to score from, if that makes sense. And And we've just struggled with that. Yeah, you know, this is something we can shift to the topic to, to Tesho, um, which is something we've talked about the last three weeks here now. Um, but, but what you brought up, Tesho not being the, the striker that we need for this system, I think he can be the striker we need for the system if we commit to the transitional system. But what we do is we win the ball back and then we go to possession. And again, like you said, he's not that good in possession. He... You know, he fumbles the ball. He's he does he doesn't he's not the greatest dribbler of the ball. Like I think he doesn't really feel comfortable in that aspect of his play. He wants to press, he wants to work hard and, and win the ball off, and then he wants to take the shot. You know, he doesn't want to do anything, he doesn't want to make the shot, he wants to take the shot. And um when you're trying to play build up play, that that's not the striker you need. You need DK. And so that's part of it. We're missing DK here mm-hmm. um, because how many times have we seen DK make the shot, make the goal? Uh, think of the I, Miami game. Go ahead. With with DK too, it's like, I don't even necessarily think right now, which makes sense because he's only 20, 21 years old and that was his rookie season. Um, like he has a little bit of like technical issues. <clears throat> Excuse me. He has a little bit of technical issues as a player. Um, that will be ironed out, I'm sure, but um, he he necessarily wasn't the greatest player on the ball in the world. Um, but but even still, DK just kind of had this like gravity about him, and, and this is something that kind of Daniel brought to my attention last season, where there would, there would constantly be a player on his back, and there would be like two players tracking his movement to see if he does get free. And I think when you have a player like that, and, and that's something that probably doesn't quantify in stats, and I could be talking complete like nonsense and and maybe maybe i'm misunderstanding what it is but it's just like once you have someone who can concern a back line like it gives a lot of players so much freedom like i think he made a lot of players around him better like like chris and 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 you know benji even at times when they're on the pitch together and it, it's it's something that tesho doesn't really have and i honestly think that pato could bring something a little bit similar to that because you know pato is a threat we saw him on the ball and he's also a, a relatively intelligent player where he can get into good spaces. And I, I just, you know, like any position, like having a, a, a true out and out quality player that can, can be a little bit versatile in what he offers is going to improve the team. And Tesho, like I agree, I think Tesho is pretty all right at pressing. Um, you know, that's kind of where his Cincinnati goal came from, but also looking at that Cincinnati's back line, it was pretty poor and that was a bad giveaway. But I digress. Like he was, he was in the position to take take advantage of that opportunity. But like he's not particularly great with movement. He's not really great on the ball. Like he's an all right finisher, you know. But you have to get yourself into good scoring positions, and he's not really able to do that. Um, and, and just in possession, man. Like I don't know. I've noticed this a bit more recently, and and I, I hate to just like dunk on a player for no reason because like it, it's it's not a one person sport. But he doesn't necessarily seem like he has an idea at times of what he is going to do with the ball. And I think a lot of that came more in the first half. I actually think he was like, he was okay in the second half. He wasn't fantastic, but he'll kind of take that one touch. And, and I almost think that this can kind of draw back to even like you, soccer. Like I'm sure if, if 
anybody here played soccer when they were younger, they heard this too, but it's like your first touch always has to be like, you have to know what you're going to do with the ball before you get, get the ball. Like if your first touch is only concerned about controlling and then you try to turn and then you, and, and then you try to lay off and it's just a little bit unnecessary. It just slows down play and it, it just makes you a lot easier to dispossess and a lot less dangerous even. And I think that he's a player who is guilty of doing that a lot, you know, like um, say he has his back to goal. He'll try to, he'll take a little bit too long to set up the ball and then try to keep the play moving and that can kind of ruin an attack and, and I there was some time in the uh, in the first half where he even received the ball like inside the 18 and probably had a quality scoring chance and he just wasn't able to get the ball under control and 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 I might be kind of misremembering it a little bit because I've talked about this before I can't really rewatch games I live in Orlando and I live in a college apartment but um it's it's just something that he's just a little bit too slow when it comes to these um, being in possession and stuff like that. And, and there are players where you can maybe even say the exact same thing about them. But like what like if he improved this aspect of the game of his game, rather, I think that he would become a, a much better player. Um, he just needs to get a little bit better at putting himself in good spaces to score. You know what I'm saying? Like it, he 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 is, is is a decent finisher, you know, like he's. I know a stretch of the imagination poor in that aspect, but he's just not always getting himself into opportunities where he has a clear shot on goal. And I, I just, I don't know, like, like pressing is not enough and he's not good enough in possession, man. Like, I don't really feel like he's good enough in getting into spaces. And honest to God, like, I hope that I can look back on this in like a month later and think that I was completely wrong about him. And, and I don't really think. I well, I don't think you are. Him. I think that's him. Yeah. That's what we've seen the past year and a half. Yeah, he's just he's just like you can almost be a limited player, and and if you really exceed in some aspects of the game, like you can still kind of do well. Like like as much as I love like Chris Wondolowski, even like Wando's never someone who is going to be overly involved in possession. He's not going to really beat anyone on the dribble, but like goddamn, he has world class movement. Like he can find space like no one else. And like drag defenders, and then and then come across goal and and find a yard of space, and, and and he's even like he's a good finisher too, but he's not like he's not like even in the MLS, he's not the best finisher in the league, but he's just so good at, at finding a pocket of space and, and getting free, and then taking advantage of more of opportunities more often than not. And and Tesho, if he could pick up some aspects like that, and I'm not saying like he he should. I mean, he could. He could watch what Chris Wondolowski does. There are various strikers in the world that um, you know you can learn from, and it's it's just Tesho just has to has to get so much better. Like he he kind of wanders around a little bit aimlessly, and uh, he just does not provide much. You know what I'm saying? And and we oftentimes are the team that has most of the ball, so it's not even like we're constantly pressing. We do still press, obviously, but I don't know. It's not something that he's good enough or he has the opportunity to do enough that you can just point out and be like, all right, he's not necessarily great at this, but he's a really good presser. So we can overlook that. Like it's, it's not that big a part of our game that we can just have a striker that more like pretty much only offers that. I don't know. Like I, I feel obviously not great just like <laughs> harping on this on Tesho. And I, I feel like Tesho has gotten a lot of like hate and, distrust i guess in the past couple games and and you know it kind of is a little bit through his own fault as a player he's a professional athlete but 
Well, that's where that's where I was going next. So I'll just yeah. jump in here and I'll tell you right now. Um, I think that it's more on how we are using him than on him as a player. I think Pareja is asking him to do something mm-hmm. that he Pareja knows. He's a very smart coach. He's asking him to do something that he knows he's not 100% great at doing. You know, I think we know what he is. We've already talked about it. I think most people know who he is by this point in time. Pressing forward. Done. Dusted. Why are we using him in games where we're trying to have possession? You know, and obviously he's not our first choice striker. Obviously, we brought Pato in for a reason. Um, and, you know, we can talk about the the idea to bring in uh, uh, injury prone throughout his career player to be our starting striker as we send DK off to, to to England to go boost up his value. Like we can talk about that later. Um, but at the end of the day, he's not our starting striker. But why are we using him in games where the plan is to transition and press and win the ball back, but then also keep possession and build up through possession. Like we're, we're not a really bona fide system team. We try and do multiple things and, and be um, like a Swiss army knife and, and build and get goals in different ways, which by all means, I am perfectly okay with you should not be a one trick pony. But why are we starting a one-trick pony at striker then? You know what I mean? So I don't yeah. like making I, I'm if I were a coach, I would be a set my system up towards the players. You know what I mean? You know how there's some coaches who set the players to their system? Jose Mourinho. Mm-hmm. No matter how good of a striker you are, or no matter how good of a winger you are. And the how much attack you have, he's going to set up defensively. It's just Jose Mourinho. I would I would want a coach who would look at the players he has and okay and goes, okay, we have only Tesho today because you know, let's just say this: Is must be shit if he's not trusted at all. You know, Is must be not that great of a player. So like at this point, it's like why even wait to see him? He's clearly not up to it if he hasn't i don't know we can talk about that as well in a second here um but like we have tesho we're starting tesho this is this is the player who's playing let's go ahead and no matter what we're playing transition that is our game style we're gonna do long ball we're gonna send everyone forward and we're gonna we're gonna try and trap them in you know kick the ball into the corner don't kick it out of play trap them in get the ball hit him on the counter, goal. Do it two times, win the game. Or it's like, okay, we uh, this is this is what's happening. This is what I'm saying. This is what's happening. Okay, we have Tesho. Okay, well, we're going to kind of press, and then we're going to call off the press a bit because, you know, it's hot and players are going to get tired. So then we're going to try and build up through possession. And, and then, you know, at that point, it's kind of like, yeah, we might get something from like Juan beating a man and putting in the box or or Nani scoring a banger. But then we're going to go back to transition. Like, that's not sustainable, and that's not how you win games. And that's why we have three draws and one win against the worst team this league has seen in a while. Um, against since two years ago when Cincinnati was the worst team in the league. But you see what I'm saying? Like, I I think the fault in this lies on the coach using the player incorrectly or expecting the player to not 
do what everyone knows he's good at. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, Tester just is what he is at this point in his career. You know, like he's, right. he's kind of in his late twenties. So, like, like that's also what I'm saying. It's he he's not someone who's really even underperforming. You know, what I'm saying like this is kind of what he has always been. And and you know, maybe that's not fair to say because his first season for us, he came in and scored ten goals. And um, I would have to look back to see. Well, who was the coach? Who was the coach? Who was the coach the year he scored ten goals? It was James O'Connor. What did we play when we had James O'Connor? Transition. Win the midfield battle. Defensive. I mean, he's that type of player. And that's why he succeeded for James Mm -hmm. O'Connor. We are not fully transitional team. He's not going to be fully successful. Yeah. And I wish people would see that more. Yeah. I well, I I do still understand, particularly because I am, to an extent, one one of these people, persons, whatever. Um, I understand like kind of questioning the team selection still, because it's like if you have this player who you know it just it is what it is. Like this is the type of player that he is, and he very clearly does not fit into the system that the coach is trying to do. Like I would then kind of start. Like you don't want to completely reinvent your entire team, which I I don't know. Maybe I mean. We're early That's on what I would if do. You're gonna, if you're going to do something like that, yeah, I guess that would be the time to do it. But it's like, even just putting in Mateus Ayas, which I've, you know, I, I like when he does get 20 minutes, like, I don't really even think that he's been like overly great. I'm not going to lie. Um, but even still, I would like to see him get a little bit more of, of a consistent level of play just so we can know for sure that he isn't someone capable of starting in this league or for this team or whatever. But it's like, you just, I, I, I think if we're very clearly struggling to um, create chances and maybe we're kind of looking at this the wrong way. And, and there are some other very glaring and pressing issues that we're just not identifying as much as we are with who our starting striker is. But at least in my view, like I think that you kind of have to start questioning the team selection. If we are continuing to put the exact same player out there and he's continuing to kind of struggle you know what i'm saying like other than the cincinnati game which once again i think it was more of a gift though it wasn't all right it was a good finish but it was more of a gift other than that i just don't think he has been particularly good and like there there were instances in this second half where he was all right like he and urso had a little good spell of play where urso got a shot on goal inside of the box like that's a that's a decent chance and um he started playing the ball one touch a little bit more out wide, but it, it, even still, it wasn't fantastic by any stretch of the imagination. But like, if we aren't going to be a team that that looks to go quick and looks to press constantly in the back line because we don't have a lot of possession, like if you very clearly need a striker who is going to be a little bit more versatile in, in, in what they can do, and you can tell that Tesho Akindele really just is not that player, which you know that's fine. That's just the way it is. Like I think you have to start questioning, like what are what are we doing? Like why why are we continuing to do the exact same thing? You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, well said at the end there. It's just it's just down to his selection at this point, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but I think the thing is, is people see him with a shot and they're like, I want him out of here. That that's not why I want him out of here. I want him mm-hmm. out of here because we're not doing the play style that he needs us to do. So either change the play style to help him succeed, to help the team succeed. Or put in a new player, see if they can do what we need them to do. Um, let's let the next let's keep the let's keep the conversation in the attacking half for now. We'll move back to the defense in a little bit. 
Uh, Chris Mueller. Like I said, thought he was crap. I want to hear your thoughts on his performance before I go ahead and give my salvo. Yeah, I'll probably for the most part leave this to you. I I, <laughs> I don't think he was great. I don't. I didn't think that he was like terrible. Um, which you know that's that's not a great analysis either. Um, but he, I think that so far in the season, like technically he has two assists, but he assisted Nani's goal against Cincinnati, and which was an a MLS little bit, assist. a little bit like was that an MLS assist? Yes, thought, he passed it to Pereira. He, the... he passed it to Pereira, and then Pereira turned and passed it to Nani, and Nani did the rest. Really? Hold on, I actually have the highlights up. Let me see. Let's, um, let's get. Let's it was get definitely Pereira who passed it to him. I know that for well, a fact. Are you are you talking about this game today, or I, I'm talking about the Cincinnati game? Oh yeah, I have no clue. Yeah, yeah I thought it, sorry, I thought you were talking about this goal. No, was, yeah, that was that was it was Urso to Pereira this game. Oh, okay. um, yeah, Urso had the little nutmeg, and then he, which, which Pereira right. did well to like turn and play to Nani. But like those assists, I feel like, and I don't want to keep just taking things away from players and discrediting what they're doing. But those assists are a little bit just kind of like a how do you do assist? Like it's similar <laughs> to what like Sergio Busquets used to do for Messi. Like that was a little bit of like a a meme, if you will, where like. Chris just played the ball in. He did well to find a player on the top of the box, but Nani just beat a man outright. And then, you know, it was a wonderful finish. And, and also he got credited for the assist against uh, SKC, which was good. Like he was probing in an area and, and put more of like kind of like a shot on goal that just fell to Nani who would flip the ball in. But yeah, like I, he's coming off a season where he was looking like he should go to play in a different continent. And he was looking like he could be an MLS best 11 player. And while I don't think he's been outright poor, he hasn't necessarily been that exact same player in these first couple games. And, and it's only four games, so it's hard to, you know, judge that. And uh, it's it's something that we'll have to kind of reevaluate, I guess, when we have a higher sample size. But just right now, looking at what he's been doing, it hasn't necessarily been as good as you would have hoped, especially when you consider what last season was and, and even, like, the buzz that was coming out of them from some pretty good performances with the national team and stuff. But... I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this specific game, why Chris Mueller was the worst player on the field, or one of them. Okay, so and I'm glad you clarified that with this specific game, because I don't hate the player. I don't think mm. the player's crap. No, yeah, yeah. no I, but we're talking about NYCFC game here. Um, how, do we judge, how do we judge Chris Mueller? How do we judge Nani? We judge them on goals. We judge them on assists. We judge them on how well they create attacking options or uh, attacking chances. Sorry. Um, how they impact the team offensively. Our offense died today or not today on Saturday when it came to Chris. He was slow with the ball at his feet when he was quick with the ball at his feet and decided to dribble at somebody. The indecisiveness came back. Wasn't sure what to do with it. Five, six, seven, eight, touch, tackle, boom. Chance, gone. He wasn't quick when he got the ball. Like, you know, we've talked about the, uh, how you have to be ruthless when you transition. You have to go, go, go. Wasn't quick at that. Um, you know, just an overall very poor performance. He didn't really do anything out on the field. And I... I Look, he got substituted, um, which he always gets substituted because, you know, he runs a lot and stuff and because we have five subs still. But he, I think he should have been taken off like the first sub. Like that's how bad I thought he was. I, I did not have any confidence that he was going to impact the game offensively to get us a goal. Now, Benji, I don't know if 
I had any confidence that he was. I, I wanted to be Vanderwater. I wanted it to be Vanderwater for Chris. Because the thing I like about Vanderwater is that he comes in on that left foot and he finds space so well. He finds that space, that pocket of space on the inside right channel so well. And then he does something with the ball, whether it's a lofted ball over the top like he tried to do, um, or he dribbles with it, um, and it doesn't always come off, but he finds that space so well. Chris does not find that space, but when he does find himself in space, especially in this game, this is what pissed me off about it, he did absolutely nothing with it. And he had the chance to do so. You know, I clearly remember he's dribbling at a player. He's got two players, Orlando City players near him. He can do a one-two. He can try and skip past the player. And he just takes too many touches. NYCFC gets back and the chance is gone. So like he just his performance overall just really, really frustrated me. And in all honesty, to me, he didn't he didn't do anything offensively at all. You know, I. Do you remember anything that I'm forgetting? Did he did he do like a, a nice, you know, through ball to, to Nani or to, to Juan? And, and like, I'm just completely blanking on that. Or or do you think I'm kind of in a decent headspace with it? At least an acceptable one. No, I, mean, I get what you're saying. I think this game, I'm looking at it right now on FB ref. He has like zero expected goals, which is not a player that, or, or like, <laughs> that's not what you want to hear from him. He didn't take a shot. Know, like we're talking about expected goals. He didn't, he didn't take a shot. He had one, he has point one expected assist. Like there was a time where it was like he and Tesho, Tesho was to his right. Chris carried the ball a little bit and he laid it off to Tesho and Tesho struck it at a defender and we got a corner out of it, I do believe. But like, that was it. And like, it, and he didn't even really do a whole lot defensively, I want to say. Like, I don't know. I, I guess looking at the data a little bit more, I understand why you're saying that this is a little bit of a disappointing performance. Um, I'd be interested to see how he would play once we have a like more forwards who are able to get a little bit more involved with possession because I kind of think that's where he's at his best a little bit. Like, I yeah, think when Huan, when Huan is running off of him and, and, and when he's able to kind of fire the ball into a striker and then run off and find a little bit of space. Maybe um, he's, he's a bit of a better player. Like, like I think that's where a fair bit of his, his opportunities came in. But, but yeah, like he even last year, he was somebody who liked to pick up the ball and liked to kind of, of, of force the issue and, and find players and, and, you know, be, you know, we maybe like to focus on his goals a little bit, but he also was a very decent creative player. Um, and yeah, like looking at this individual performance, it certainly was a little bit disappointing. Um, I can see that a little bit more now, looking at some some various numbers, I guess. But um, yeah, I, you know, here's hoping that he's able to kind of ice out or iron out, rather, I should say, whatever he's, um, you know, what whatever his struggles are, and maybe once we get a little bit, uh, once we're able to get some more versatile attacking players, I guess he might look better once again not to just take a shot at someone for the sake of it but it, it's it's something that is kind of affecting phases of play and I, I would also like to see a little bit more from Huan I think Huan is still getting into good opportunities I guess so I don't know maybe just disregard that point don't get me started on Huan um, yeah <laughs> but yeah it's Chris yeah I, I get what you're saying I certainly don't think that you are uh going crazy or something like that but I, I yeah I get what you're saying 
One of the things I like about him, and, and to go back to your point, which I think was a brilliant point about Tesho's first touch being, you know, he doesn't know what he wants to do with the ball. Chris's first touch, what I like is he wants to go forward almost all the time. He's trying mm. to go forward. He's trying to dribble at people. And that's why I would want him in the team. I'm not saying I want him dropped for the next game. I want Chris to start the next game because he brings something great to the team. But he had a crap game. Point blank, just simple. That's in my opinion. He did not you know, do anything great with the ball at his feet. Um, that's all I really have to say on it. I posed this question to Daniel and Adam last week about Chris having a pretty slow start to the season. And Adam did bring up the assists um, that he had. But, you know, again, we talked about this on the squad building. So I want to ask you as well, Chris, slow start to the season. Hasn't started off the season really quickly. He had, in my opinion, he was at his maximum value after the U.S. men's national team where he got two goals and two assists, but he only got credited for one. Um, Two goals, two assists, and a big win against El Salvador. Um, Clearly he had some issues, but also Europe was watching his him. Um, Scouts were were definitely watching to see how he was playing. Do you think that just an offer didn't come in or do you think we kept him because we, you know, we're going for it this season to, to try and be a, um, a MLS champion? Um, what, what do you think about his slow start to the season? And was it the correct move to keep him? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know that like Groningen was a team that was like tracking him and stuff like that. And, and I didn't really I like I heard that there was interest, but, you know, like anything in I guess like the transfer market when it's just kind of interest like nothing really will come of it until you hear there's a concrete offer I guess and maybe that just did not come in um and also you have to kind of look at what it is because it's it's the same thing that you've kind of talked about with Daryl DK where it's like which also Daryl DK like as much as I'm sure he enjoyed his time here like he very easily could just want to go play in Europe because that's kind of the goal of any soccer player or any athlete you just want to play at the highest level possible you know um but maybe it's like if we did get an offer for Chris it wasn't enough money to uh feasibly replace that production in our starting 11 whether it be with an incoming transfer and, and I'm sure we didn't really see someone in the youth academy who would come in and immediately have an impact at even that close to that type of level. Um, so I, I think that we made the right move probably keeping him because I don't think that we were going to get like five, six million dollars for him, which uh, he was playing at like an immensely high level. And, you know, I, I, I talked about this in like a tweet before. I don't know if it's talked about it on a podcast. He was something or he was someone as well who was kind of overperforming expected goals and stuff like that. And that, that is just kind you of You did bring that up on the pod. Yeah, it's something that will always just kind of come back to bite a lot of players. Um, it, it's it's you have to kind of make your game sustainable because it's hard to, you know, fire in shots from outside the eighteen and, and hit it like really tough angles all the time. Um, you know, it, it's certainly something that will happen, and you're going to overperform expected goals sometimes, and but you're also sometimes going to underperform, and as Adam likes to say, it kind of uh, regresses to the mean. Um. But just overall, in terms of squad building, I think that he's a good player to keep around. I think that he likes playing here. Obviously, I know it sounds very simple to say, but I know that he's enjoying his time here. And um, if there wasn't someone who was really just going in hard for him and, and, and really showing him that, like, we can be a good spot for you to to hone your craft, I can understand why, like, 
we would maybe say no and he might want to stay here. You know what I'm saying? Did mm-hmm. that answer your question? I, I kind of yeah, it does. forgot it does. everything. That, like, no, I was just <laughs> asking mainly, was yeah. it smart to not sell him? Yeah. Um, okay, well, DC United up next. Real quick, would you keep Mueller in or would you give Vanderwater a run out? Well, it's it's like, I wouldn't, I would probably keep Chris, but like, I wouldn't mind seeing Sylvester Vanderwater, not even necessarily just because Chris Mueller has been poor, but because he looked like a very exciting player when he played for like Heracles and uh, in the Netherlands. And we haven't really been able to see him at his best because, you know, like with a lot of our newer signings, I guess, or at least the guys that were going to be starting on the bench, like we haven't been able to see them get some consistent minutes. And I don't mind kind of rotating the squad a little bit. I know that I think especially in the beginning of the season, maybe teams are a little bit more hesitant because, you know, you need to get some minutes under your belt in order to, you know, be at your best. But I just, whether it's for maybe Nani only to rest or something like that, and it wouldn't probably be a good idea to take off Luis Nani, especially when he scored in his previous three games. Uh, so maybe just scratch that, honestly. But just for confidence reasons, like, I think that you probably have to keep with Chris right now just to let him kind of find his feet and become that really dangerous attacking player that we're fully aware that he is. And, and, and you know, two assists, like, it's hard to argue with, with two assists no matter how they come about. Like, he hasn't necessarily been overly unproductive. Um, so I would probably stick with him. I wouldn't mind to see a little bit of a switch up just because I think we have a lot of young, exciting players, youngish, you know, like early mm-hmm. 20s um, on, on the bench that, you know, this is a completely different conversation, and and Luis Nani is doing really well right now. But he is like 34 years old, so you kind of want to start to have like a a player who maybe can come in at the time if he ever starts to dip, or if he ever even just needs some time uh, for fitness or something like that. Um, but I don't know. I, just to answer your question, I think I probably would stick with Chris, but maybe if we could try to get Sylvester in at like the 60th minute, that's something I wouldn't mind. And, and honestly, God, I wouldn't even mind. You know, this is something that Chelsea kind of do with as well. Like, you'll look at their starting 11, and oftentimes they won't even really have much of an out-and-out striker on there. And they'll play as someone kind of withdrawn and try to play through the wings or something like that. Like, I don't know. Like, it, maybe it sounds stupid, but I, I wouldn't even mind going with maybe a front three of, like, Nani, Sylvester, and Chris Mueller and just allowing them to find space. You know, like, not really sticking with a rigid positional play, just allowing them to move throughout and 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 find space and you know just mm-hmm. be intelligent attacking players basically which is easier said than done but i think they're very capable of it all right well i think that's enough time spent on the attacking half of the field let's just spend a little bit on defense um i feel like this has happened the last couple of weeks now it's been cincinnati was able to get in behind us pretty easily sometimes it felt like just one long ball and they were in um, right at the end of the game, NYCFC got in behind us, and you talked earlier. You felt they got in behind multiple times. Um, where, what do you what do you attribute that to? What do you attribute the the teams getting in behind us to um, behind our back line? Because that is not a sustainable thing to have Galese making one on one saves every game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a little bit of it is to do with you know I think Kyle Smith has been pretty good. I think you know we have to like both of our fullbacks other than him obviously Juan and, and Jamantino despite maybe this game Jao was a little questionable at times like they're very good players and a lot of what they offer and a lot of just how we play as a team I think oh excuse me comes in um 
with us sort of attacking through our fullbacks or at the very least just them being involved in in the play. Um, and I think on one of them where the one where it was Tati Castellanos in the first half where he got in behind where, you know, Pedro did well to take off the angle and, and uh, the ball went out, I believe, for a corner. Like, I think Kyle Smith was pushed up. It came from the left side. Um, I think, you know, Kyle Smith was pushed up a little bit and then Schlegel maybe lost his man a bit. I don't know if that's... Um, you know, I could I could be mistaken there, but uh, they there was just space to exploit on the right side, and I don't really think that he got too tracked. Which Tavi Gastelanos is a very good attacking player, um, so I, I'm not going to say I can understand it, but it also, you know, not to discredit him, he probably was pretty ferocious and at times probably a nightmare to deal with if you're a defender. But yeah, just we we even our center backs too. Like sometimes someone will step up into the midfield, and I think maybe if you look at the uh, second um, second time, I guess, when they got into in behind us uh, towards the end of the game there, like honestly, the last action of the game, uh, Jesus Medina was able to get behind. I think it was kind of more Antonio Carlos that lost his man. Um, Which is interesting because Carlos was the one yelling at everyone after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I... I don't know. I think it's it's a little bit to do with you know how much our fullbacks will be pushed up and and how much they contribute to attacking play, which I I don't think is something that should stop, you know, because I think it's more of a net positive than a net negative, um, at least right now. Like it's something to monitor for sure. Um, and also, I just think that it's you know as much as I think Antonio Carlos and Schlegel has been good, um, it's just the center backs because they're going to be asked to do a lot more if if you don't really have fullbacks always providing defensive cover. And oftentimes they could be not out of position, just their position is a little bit higher up the pitch in that phase of play and we're getting caught out. Like you have to be able to track your man and we have to maybe see some some holding midfielders track back as well. And, and you just always have to be ready and always have to be aware of where all attacking players are. And I think that we maybe were caught out just a little bit and some players who are pretty good off the ball uh, were able to connect with the pass. And it's something, yeah, it's something that we need to address and we need to ensure it doesn't happen consistently because as great of a goalkeeper as Pedro is, and, um, you know, that's just not something that you want to be constantly relying on because, you know, one day he's going to have an off game and then we're going to drop points when we shouldn't and you know like we talked about at the beginning of this episode this game comes down to margins and you always need to be you need to be at your best and we we can't just focus on something as unsustainable as that I guess yeah uh it's just a lot of what we're doing right now as a team doesn't seem sustainable to to be one of the top dogs in MLS and Mm. I do think that I mean, I, I do think us as fans are overrate the team a little bit. I think we have us a little bit higher than where we should be. I think a lot of fans think we should be top two in the East. I think we should be fourth or fifth in the East. And right now we're playing at a point where we're sixth or seventh in the East. Um, we're not creating chances. We're not keeping the ball at the back of the net. Um, we have decent players. I think we're a playoff team. Mm. Um, but... At this point in time, we're four games in. We're starting to see trends happen. We've played three pretty similar level opponents, which there's always going to be a lot of similar level opponents in this league. Um, Atlanta United, SKC, Cincinnati, and New York City FC. You know, I would have been okay with, 
you know, being a little bit more aggressive and coming out with two wins and two losses or two wins, a draw and a loss. And you know where that puts us? First place. Two wins, a draw and a loss puts us first place with New England and New York City. And yes, we're fourth right now. We're tied. We're tied for second. You know, like whatever. Like we're one point away. It's not like this is we're losing our minds here, but I'd like to be a little bit more aggressive. I think I'd like to, you know, maybe really try and be ruthless on the counterattack. And, you know, maybe the other team goes and counters and and does and they get in behind like Jesus Medina was and and it sucks and it's heartbreaking. But then you do it the next game and you score the goal and you win two one and you get three points. You know, you can draw every game and, and only get 38 points. But if you win half of them and, and you lose the other half, you're getting a lot more points than 38. And obviously that's a lot easier, you know, said than done or, you know, that's never going to happen ever uh, because it's a game of margins. But I'd like to see us be a little bit less cautious. That That's just yeah. the best way I can put it. I would like to see us be a little bit less cautious when it comes to the attacking third of the field. I get what you're saying. I, I think that our manager as well, um, he kind of specializes, like I think like it's called like a poppy special, right? Like this one nil result, yep. which is which is perfectly fine. Like, like which we've three not points. been good at since he's come here. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of the thing where for whatever reason, and, and we saw it today as well, it's like we we are good good enough at getting a one nil lead. It's just all about protecting it. You know what I'm saying? And and honest to God, like I'm 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 happy with the results thus far. You know, we are one of the only, I think, four undefeated teams in the league. Um, which is great, you know, uh, but I don't think there's also anything wrong with kind of scrutinizing the performances and, and seeing what we can build off of long term and what has to change, because I think that there is a little bit of luck involved with the fact that we are one of the undefeated teams. And, and I think that we've been good in some areas. Um, and also, you have to look at the fact that, like, our starting striker is out. But that's also something that you kind of have to be prepared for. Like, I almost feel like at any position, you have to be prepared for a player being injured, especially if you look at someone or if you, you know, I don't want to say we put all of our eggs in the Alexander Pato basket. Um, but we did to an extent, like we were we were really kind of looking looking to him to be that kind of newcomer of the year type player and maybe score like 15 goals and, and be involved in possession. And he's somebody who hadn't played and was not attached to a club for six months. And and even so, he wasn't necessarily getting consistent game time there. So there's always going to be fitness issues, especially with someone who's kind of in their 30s. Um, but, you know, it, it's still, we haven't seen this team at their best. You know, I don't think that this is, you know, it, it's still very early in the season. And I'm sure, um, you know, we just notice these things because this is a team that we support more, I guess. But uh, it, it's probably something that is, present in a lot of teams throughout the league right now and mls is elite or a league which more so than any like the first half of the season almost to an extent sometimes cannot matter if a team is able to either get hot or they fall apart at the back half because that can really alter where you stand in the in in the uh the end of the season standings and stuff like that but yeah it's just um there are some things that we're doing that that isn't great to consistently rely on. I think today, this game more so than ever, uh, we relied on, or not today, obviously, but we relied on Pedro too much. Um, and, and, you know, we can't really expect, I think all three of Nani's goals 
are something that like you really physically cannot expect someone to do every every single game. You know what I'm saying? Like both of which were fantastic finishes that he is capable of doing. But it's just it's just not, not sustainable. That's, it's yeah, it's not going to present itself every opportunity, and he's not going to catch it every time. And you're going to come up against goalkeepers who are going to be able to deal with that because like any goalkeeper really less so if you give a player of his quality time outside of the box but they would much prefer a shot from outside the 18 than a shot from whoa sorry than a shot from like 10 yards out and that's that's so easy so obvious to say and and also like that little back heel flick like that was just a very very nice piece of finishing and, and you know i don't know that one speaking anyway, of goalkeepers yeah I mean, it's just not. This is gonna sound really bad coming out of my mouth because people think I. Oh, well, I probably am a little bit biased, but um, people are gonna think I'm extremely biased. But I'm gonna be honest. I felt the the Cincinnati goal was savable. Yeah, I, I think Teton kind of flapped at it. Um, it it was kind of low, and look, a gorgeous bit of play, deserved a goal. It was quality put it in the corner of the net. Goalkeeper didn't get to it. But I think Pedro gets to that. I think Sean Johnson gets to that. Tim Melia gets to that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, I think it's it's one of those um, shots, I guess, where if the goalkeeper does save it, we're saying that it's a very nice save. Um, but not, maybe not, not unbelievable. Well, yeah, yeah, I get but But now that he's not, we're also saying, like, maybe he should have done better. So it's a little bit of, like, a gray area. But I agree, That's like... I think the, the the one against New York this game was was a much better hit, but even still, um, that was it's a just something. There, there, and also like uh, also with the SC Cincinnati goal too. One thing, like th- this is a different topic of conversation, I guess. Like one of the reasons Cincinnati has been so poor is because they do not have like defensive holding midfielders that are that are good. You know what I'm saying? Like like Nani was stood up against Yuya Kubo who I think they brought in to be a DP, DP right winger who is now winger. playing a central midfield position, which even still, he's a professional player and he's, you know, someone who will track back. So it was quality to beat him, but he wasn't necessarily standing up uh, Diego Char or anything like that. You know what I'm talking about? And I, I don't know. I don't want to keep just like diminishing what he did because it was fantastic, but it, it's just, it's, you can point at these things and there are things that are a little bit alarming that maybe you want to start seeing a more sustainable level of play and not something that as fantastic and as entertaining as it is, and, and maybe this is a little bit boring of me to say, I guess, um, it's it's not something that you can always rely on. And we need to start seeing us creating chances that, you know, like I said earlier, you would reasonably expect, expect someone to consistently score. And we haven't been able to create these big chances. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's... I feel like we're being a little bit negative. Like, I kind of want to be clear that, like, I am pleased with the results, and I'm not saying that, like, we are a poor side by any stretch of the imagination. I think that we are still very early in the season, and we are riding a little bit of injuries, and and, and we haven't seen us at our best. And I'm sure when we're at our best, we are going to be firing at a higher level. You know what I'm talking about? It's It's just something that right now we need to kind of look at these little things and determine, like, if we're going to be able to play at this this level, I guess. And there are some things that you can kind of look at and be like, they're, they're just a little bit concerning. You know what I'm talking about? No, but yeah. Still, uh, I agree with been, you. 
about the uh, the results and everything. It's just these are conversations that we want to have to analyze, and sometimes mm-hmm. those conversations become negative because we see negative things. Yeah. Um, last <laughs> thing here before we can head out. Um, I know I'm keeping you long. Juan, we'll just be quick. Juan goes down with injury. He gets subbed. Uh, what do you think is going to happen next game? Do you think he's not going to play just out of being cautious? And then are we going to start in a not ready um, Jean Moutinho? Because um, I, I don't think Jean Moutinho looks ready to, to start to play a full match. Um, he, he looked unready to me. And, and that's not because of the penalty, by the way. Um, I mean, which that was a lazy bit of defending, mm. but to me, he doesn't look fully ready to play a, a professional match yet, you know, to yeah. start. Yeah. Like in 90 minutes in particular, no, like, yeah. I think, I think Zhao looks all right. Like I think on Nani's goal, actually, um, he did really well to kind of run off of them and then pull Anton Tinner home with him. So Nani was isolated one V one, which is kind of where he's at his best. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Like he was out for like six months or something like that. And he's probably not ready to start right now. And, and if he was, we may have seen him start this game recently. And But it's just like, I don't really know what else we're going to do. I think Kyle Smith is obviously going to start at right back. Uh, yep. He's going to be shifted from left back. I don't know who's going to play left back. I don't know if we're going to try to play like... Janssen I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if Janssen is even fully fit. You know, like he he wasn't even in the match day squad, I think, against New York. Um, and, you think and we you also, see a change in formation? Maybe like a yeah, three? Yeah, like, like a three back. I mean, we could maybe see like Kyle Smith as like a right wing back. And... I don't know. I don't know, honestly. Like I, Adam I brought up start. Mueller as a as a wing yeah, back. Yeah, as a wing back. I even think like Vanderwater could probably play, play that because like if you looked at what he did uh, with his previous team, he was pretty decent defensively. Like I think they could do a job. I don't want to just start spouting off these things because they're kind of unfounded. You know what I'm talking about? Like I like mm-hmm. I wouldn't be for sure. I think it is probably just more likely that we just see somebody plopped in at left back. Maybe it's real hoop, Hope Gund. He gets his professional mm-hmm. debut. I think that that's a good possibility in all honesty. Um, it depends on, you know, which Jean, I'm sure, is talking to team doctors and athletic trainers and, and Oscar even every single day, letting him know how he feels. And if they feel like he can start, I'm sure that's probably what we're going to see. Um, I don't really think that we're going to see Janssen at left back. I almost think that maybe I would rather see if Janssen was healthy, I would almost rather see like Schlegel at left back. I don't know yeah. if that is an unpopular He's more, uh, no, he's comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, yeah. It's just, a, and and he's like, he's comfortable with his left foot as well. Yeah. Uh, which, which Janssen is, is left footed, but like, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Just for, for some reason, like Schlegel seems like if we're going to have, you know, a combination of, Carlos Janssen and Schlegel in a back floor. I would rather probably have Schlegel be out wide. I think that he might be able to deal with that well. Which Schlegel or Janssen is also good with the ball at his feet, like very good, but kind of in a different way. Kind of more of like fuck it. Let's send Andres Pere out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there there are players who I think would do a job, um, but I think it's just more likely we're going to see something a little bit more boring. Not boring, honestly, but I, I I think if I had to bet, I guess I would almost think that we might see. And this is, you know, if if Janssen or if Zhao, more more importantly, is is completely healthy and feels like he could play at least seventy minutes, probably. Um, I think that there's a good chance that we might see Rio Hopgun get a start because, uh, I, I think that he's a little bit highly rated amongst Austria. Like he was drafted pretty high in comparison to what his draft stock was, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it'll be good to kind of get him bled in. Um, but, and wasn't yeah, he the one yeah. that they were very surprised that they that he fell so low? 
I think he was the Ooh. one where they they were like, oh, I thought he was gonna be gone, and we felt like we had to take him because like he's just that good. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I saying. Think, that they... I think that's what happened with him. Yeah, well then, very much that that could even kind of. I don't know, prove the point, I guess. And, and he's been included in the match day squads a lot. We just haven't yep. seen him. So I think that, you know, there probably is, and maybe I'm reading a bit too much into it, but there seems to be some trust with him. So I think that there's a good opportunity that we do see him, which which I would be very interested in, you know, finally yeah. getting getting a, a player who, you know, we drafted getting blood into the squad because I think that we've been a team who's really good at doing that, like finding quality in the draft. And, and maybe this is another example of it. Yeah, and hopefully we can uh, see Derek Dodson do that as well. Yeah. That should just about do it. We didn't even get to cover Alvarado not making the field again or IS um, mm. or other topics of that nature. But that's all stuff that you can probably hear on other podcasts. Um, I felt like we did pretty good on our podcast. Hey, so that should just about do it. Seriously, please don't have to hesitate to let us know your thoughts on our thoughts. Don't forget to leave a five-star review, do the survey link in the description. And Chase, where can our listeners find you at? You can find me at VamosOCSC on Twitter. Alrighty, as always, thanks for listening. You can find us at LionsBlog1 on Twitter. LionsBlog1 on Instagram, which I haven't touched in a long time. <laughs> thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Yo. Chance!